This is the Blockade Podcast with your hosts, Chris and Jared. Wizardamusement.com, the site to visit for custom pinball shooter rods. Easy to install, totally unique. Mention Blockade Podcast for 10% off your order. Wizardamusement.com, sales, restoration, customization. You are listening to the Blockade Podcast. I'm your host, Chris Freebus, aka Shut Your Trap. Joining me as always, halfway across the world, in the southern hemisphere, down under, Jared Morgan. Ah, just finished drinking my coffee then. It was good. Actually, there's a little bit left. I might just like knock that back. <laughs> I am so not a coffee person. Really? I, uh, oh. oh my god. It, it's it, it's hot water with flavor that I don't enjoy. <laughs> so <laughs> milk. Milk. Yeah, you know, because I do enjoy the smell of coffee. Um, yeah. But that's just it. It never matches what, what, what smells isn't matching what my tongue tastes. Um, so I don't mind uh, like all the drink of Frappuccino. That to me tastes good because it's basically a milkshake with coffee in it. Yeah, it's not <laughs> coffee. No, that's the reason no. why it's why you like it. You know, I, I uh, met up with a friend of mine recently, uh, and he was, you know, said, hey, let's go get coffee. I was like, okay, that's fine. And I was thinking, yeah, no problem. I'll just get a Frappuccino when we get. Well, he picked uh, uh, this place called the Intelligentsia. And, of course, it's, you know, they take their coffee seriously. And God forbid they had a blender in there to, <laughs> to make a, 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 a Frappuccino. Um it would be so, like a swear word to them. Right? And so I was like, well, what am I going to have? And I, I kind of just said, because he goes, oh, yeah, that's right. You don't drink coffee. I said, yeah. I go, I just, and I explained, you know, what my reasoning there was. And so I was like, oh, you need a cappuccino. He's like, that, that's got milk in it, and you'll, you'll, that'll be fine. I'm like, okay, fine. Give me a cappuccino. I take one sip of it. I'm like, what is this foul, <laughs> this bitter taste that's just like, and I'm doing everything in my power not to scrunch up my face and look because you know look rude about it because he wanted to buying it for me, and uh, yeah. So I went and I got a sugar packet and I dumped the sugar packet in and that helped a little bit, but <laughs> not a lot of it. <laughs> hmm. Well, there you go. It's uh, must be an acquired taste for you for me. Well, you know what? I'm not a fan of bitter anyway. I mean, I don't like beer for that for the same reason. It's I hate the bitter taste. Mm, okay. Well, there you go. Each to their own. Have a tea. No, because that's just more flavored <laughs> water. <laughs> I'll have a hot. I'll have a hot chocolate. That that does me fine. Uh, that's flavored water as well, except it tastes like chocolate. <laughs> nah, but no, it's because it's got powdered milk in it, and that makes it a milky chocolate sensation. Okay. I think your argument is flawed, but okay. <laughs> what do you mean my argument is flawed? What do well, you, what do you, you know, think that powder like, is? It's not just chocolate. It's powdered milk. Yeah. I know that is correct, but it leads back to saying, well, a cappuccino is not fine because it also has milk in it as well. Ah, but no, no, no. See what you're, what it's water with milk added to it, as opposed to the hot water blending with the dehydrated milk, thereby forming milk. Because milk does have naturally water in it. Yes. And in most cases, (laughs) just word to the wise people, if you're actually drinking milk in bottles from the supermarket, most likely, unless it's a very expensive brand, it's actually rehydrated milk anyhow from milk powder. See? Um, So drink your Ovaltine, kids. (laughs) 
Yeah. Drink hot chocolate, <laughs> like Uncle Chris says, because Uncle Chris knows. Apparently at uh, Starbucks, they have this thing called the uh, unicorn frappuccino. Oh, God, uh, it's so stupid. Right? And so, <laughs> so, so my wife was like, I, I want to try it. And she's not a coffee drinker either, but she was just like, I got to try oh. this thing. I'm like, okay, fine. So we, we go over, we're at Target, and they have a Starbucks built into it. And I walk yeah. over, then I don't see any signage for it, so I'm thinking they don't have it. And, but this is, this is how I asked if they had it. I go, you got that abomination of a Frappuccino, the unicorn thingy? <laughs> and they went, yes, sir, we do. Nope, no, they, they didn't. They didn't. They were like, no, not at our location. I went, okay. It's like, <laughs> that is very funny because that's what exactly what it looks like. It's got some sort of, uh, the way I understand it, it actually changes color as you drink it or something. Yeah. Or they, and it's, and it's uh, zero coffee in it. It's a mango uh, based uh, drink. Yeah, not even coffee. No. It's just, no. So it's really <laughs> meant for kids. It's really meant to yeah. get the kids into Starbucks so they can start their uh, their journey to caffeine and uh, right. indoctrination. Exactly. Yeah. It's exactly. a gateway drug of um, it's a gateway drug of coffee shops. Make a lurid yeah. drink that gets them in so they can actually see what it's like inside and go, "Oh yes, this is a lifestyle for me." <laughs> yes, and and next thing you know, it's mommy, daddy, might I have a laptop to write my screenplay on inside the Starbucks? <laughs> 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 That's even a slightly German, the kid. <laughs> <laughs> yes, good Dolph, you can. <laughs> Spe- speaking of uh, uh, drinks, uh, just a friendly friendly word to the wise out there that uh, 7-Eleven will be having their Bring Your Own Cup Day coming up here. Um, it's, in US uh, in- only. Well, Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it, it's going to be on the uh, on I believe it's the I think it's on the 19th and 20th hey the 20th that's where we're going to do our 100th episode um, but yeah 19th and 20th of May if I'm not mistaken 19th and 20th of May there you go yeah. in yeah. all in all geographies where the dates are backwards so exactly <laughs> <laughs> which means the US <laughs> yeah which means the US yeah well, that's right I don't know does, does Canada do theirs I think they probably would because they're close enough, but not quite. Right. Um, so I think, yeah, they probably would. Um, a, a quick Google search could probably answer the question, but you know, oh, who wants to do that? Who wants to do that? Let, let's, let's live in a world of um, uh, ambiguity and unknown facts like we did in the eighties. <laughs> <laughs> hey, I always said that uh, the, the smartphone has killed all bar bets. Uh, yeah, absolutely. Many a bar argument. <laughs> oh yeah, absolutely. It's uh, although I'm yeah, sure the, the bar argument then if if the person doesn't like what you show them they just yell fake news and uh, you know, that causes news. that causes a whole new argument. Of exactly. <laughs> yep. <laughs> so I'm looking over the uh, sorry, just launching the pinball here, but I'm looking what? over. The- well, what we we talk about pinball here? Yeah, apparently sometimes. Huh. Um, okay. I'm looking at the responses from the blockade AMA for um, Ask Homework, there's yes. probably about five individual responses. Some of those have um, more than one question answered. Um, so there's probably going to be around 10 or 15 questions total, I would think, Great. that we're going to send over to um, Zolt. So I'll actually compile these today and um, get these over to him, and then we'll get it ready for the, the big 100. 
So all you that uh, sent in your questions, all five of you, thank you. Mm. <laughs> thank, thank you. Thank you for uh, asking one or more questions. Yes, uh, we do. We do appreciate the participation. Mm. Yes. Sometimes I get shocked when there's actually participation, you know, on our uh, on our Twitter feed when you know people ask a question of us directly. And it's like, oh, oh yeah, I guess I better respond to something of that. Yeah, nature. that's right. <laughs> it does take us by surprise sometimes, doesn't it? Really, it's uh... <laughs> yeah. It, you you mean we're not just talking to ourselves? Wow. Okay. Yeah, um, no, into into the vacuum that is the podcast land. Exactly. Yeah. Hey, uh, so you may have noticed these last couple of. Uh, podcast we haven't really been talking terribly much about digital pinball and i blame farsight because they've been doing their uh their month Lots off of now we have the, no fodder <laughs> or, or, yeah we have no fodder we uh that being said they're moving away from that obviously because they are going to release a table at the end of the month and mm. uh the the chatter at farsight has basically been uh getting back to other things <laughs> um, yeah. that are on their, their to-do list. But I did want to mention the beta head-to-head. -head. Uh, we tested every Wednesday at about uh, 11 a.m. Uh, Pacific time and uh, see what the new latest things are. But the cool thing is, is that all these uh, changes that you've been reading about in the newsletter that they've been doing to tables, those are implemented in this beta. So, uh -huh. we're, so we're able to actually kind of sample them and test them out. And hold on, we'll wait for that airplane that's passing over in Jerry's living room. Uh, <laughs> anyone think I'd be like below an airport at the moment? Um, <laughs> I, I've got, I've got the, the way the studio North Lakes works is I have my bedroom. I'm actually set up on the bed with the laptop on my lap as it's designed to be used. Um, <laughs> <laughs> and then I have a window open to let some air, airflow in. Now, unfortunately, the center of the house has a um, water pump to feed our tank, and we also have planes flying over. So you'll get some what we like to call environmental effects um, <laughs> in the podcast, and that's part of the service we provide you here at Black Hate. A little, a little foley work, as they, as yeah, they foley say. work. That's right. Yeah. <laughs> Just oh. to mean. Because, you know, who knows, like, you know, really, I'm actually recording in a bunker uh, in China, but I have to make it sound like I'm actually recording in Australia in suburban. In, suburban. in that case, let me, let me, uh, <clears throat> you are listening to the Blockade Podcast. I'm your host, Shut Your Trap, a.k.a. Chris Freebus. Joining me as always from North Korea, Jared Morgan. <laughs> <laughs> That's right. <laughs> Behind the DMZ line. Um... <laughs> No, just in it because I could get internet there. <laughs> you can get for the for the half an hour they turn it on. Um, That's right. So what I was saying is we've been able, actually able to uh, sample some of these uh, tables. Um, I've talked about uh, creature a little bit and Circus Voltaire. Well, the update that they did to Twilight Zone got uh, implemented. Oh, what and, do you think? Well, it was funny because uh, uh, as we're doing the beta, we have our uh, headsets on. So we can yeah. talk and, and kind of stuff. And Pinball Wiz 45B was on there and he was playing Twilight Zone. And all I'm hearing from him is like, oh, it's so fast. Oh, man. I can't believe how much more difficult this is. This is great. I love this. Yeah, <laughs> yeah was, exactly. <laughs> he was freaking out over Twilight Zone. So, of course, I was like, well, I better I better check it out. And I put on Twilight Zone and um, it definitely moves faster and it's not so floaty. 
and Good. the right ramp likes to send the ball right back down. Uh, the only thing I did not care for. So the kick out from the slot machine, much harder or much faster kick out that it's doing. Good. If you have the flipper held up to bounce it, right? It literally uh -huh. bounces from the flipper all the way up to the mid flipper. And then you can shoot with the mid flipper. Well, that does not... the... On the right. Oh. So, so it bounces from the right flipper, you know, the lower right flipper, bounces all the way up into an arc to show that if you time it, you can hit, you know, the flipper again, and it'll hit the mid flipper on the on the uh, upper right and basically send you into the uh, sound square or uh, camera, depending. But I don't in I don't believe any of the Twilight Zones I've ever played, the bounce has been that high. If At most, the bounce does a little arc and threatens to go either back in the in-lane or out the out-lane. Yeah, that's what usually happens with it. Yeah. yeah. It's dangerous, so actually. Only... It's actually dangerous to have the flipper held up when the, the slot machine fires. You're better off just like dead passing it to the left. You should be a dead pass to the left, but I, you know, like I said, I, that was one of those things where I was like, eh, not too happy about that change or whatever, but um, I did notice I've uh, with Black Knight, they adjusted the back glass or did some other picture of the black back glass. I'm not sure what the only issue is. It looks like a nuclear bomb went off behind it because it's completely blown out. Oh, okay. <laughs> so I need to tweak the DX11 lighting on it. They need to tweak the lighting. Absolutely. <laughs> you know what? This is a, it's a trend that is, I, I notice all the time with Farsight that they make their table lighting way too hot. Um, mm. And you have to turn it, almost practically, I mean, down to 20%, 15% um, in order for it not to be just blown out. And I really, I, I wish they would make it, I don't know if they're trying to prevent the table from going pitch black and, and that's the issue or what it is. But, you know, when you have it at 50%, that should be almost starting to blow out, but not blowing out. So that mm. if you really wanted that hot look, then you can crank it up to 70% or something like that. But I can't imagine anybody actually doing that. Um, no. Because I'm constantly, the, the first time I load up a game, the first thing I do is I turn down the lighting from 50% down to 20%. And there's still yeah. a couple of tables that it's, it's still too bright for me um, yeah. with the lighting. So I don't know, one of those, one of those things. That, but I've noticed that with some of their back glasses that they've redone that it's just like, whoa, hey, Let's uh let's crank down the contrast on that, eh? <laughs> let's drop the nuke. <laughs> yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah. Well, that's interesting. So, Black Knight, have you noticed any tuning changes in Black Knight? God, no, I'm not playing that table until I actually have confirmation that they've uh, done emulation, which they have uh, not. So, I'm which not they have not. It. So, nope, nope. Uh, <laughs> so they may have actually tweaked the tuning, but you don't care. It's dead to you until they actually that's do right. that. That's right. There is no Black Knight until such time as there's emulation. For the same reason, I pretty much don't play Gorgar. <laughs> oh, yeah. I, I like to play Gorgar. Yeah. Um, but, yeah, it would be better if it was emulated. Uh, then there's, I, I mean, regards to anything else that uh, Farsight's got going on, um, no, it's still still pretty quiet. So there's not yeah. much to report on the, on the digital front. As usual, we haven't heard anything from Zen other than that uh, hint that we'd gotten a little while ago from one of their uh, developers, right? Wasn't it? That they were yeah, like, I'm right. super excited for what they were uh, yep. doing. That's it. Yeah, we haven't heard any more news about what's going on there. No. I uh, they did. They, we're running a sale for May the 4th, I did note. 
okay. for all of their Star Wars tables. They had a fifty percent off them, um, which I think might still be running. So um, if you get onto the podcast and listen quickly um, to it, you may very well be in for a surprise if you can if you haven't yet bought all the Star Wars tables. Right. Um, so yeah, um, I like it how they do it because it just lets new new adopters get on there and like get the full set of tables and not have to worry about cost too much, which is great. Yeah. Um, it's good. Um, but yeah, that's, that's really all the news digitally. We, we have, there's not even, I did notice something the other day, which was interesting. Um, our CUDA has been a little bit quiet of late. I was um, just going to mention that. <laughs> yeah. So our CUDA has been a bit quiet of late. What they're doing now is every Thursday, Australian time, they are releasing a what's happening at Arcuda um, video on their YouTube. Um, and the first one was just an introductory video. It didn't really have a huge amount of content and more sort of pitching what the series is going to be about. But I think um, the second one's going to be interesting because we, we, while we're in a commercial arrangement with them, we don't really, haven't really received a lot of insider information um, from them. Um, so it'll be interesting to see what they're going to publicly talk about um, about the platforms. And I don't think it's just going to be the pinball platform. It's going to be all of the other Arcuda game platforms that they have. Right. Um, so, yeah, let's see what they got up the sleeve. It's good that they're actually broadcasting it. I like that. Information. It's a good thing. It's a good um, thing. Yeah. So I, I should mention uh, today, although by the time you listen to this podcast, folks, it'll have passed and you'll have to wait a whole another year for it. Um, but uh, I'd be remiss if I didn't say it's a national scrapbook day for my wife has been at her scrapbook table all day. Um, but it's also free comic book day. And I don't know if they do that in the U uh, over there in Australia for you guys, but in the U S all across the nation, uh, free comic book day, you go into your comic book st uh, store and they have free comics that you can grab. So oh. every year, no, I, I don't think they do it. Yeah, so every year I take my son over to the comic book store and he goes and grabs his five free comic books that they let him have. And that's our comic book uh, buying for the year. Yeah, never goes back there again. <laughs> nope. Well, you know what? He doesn't like superheroes. So yeah. comic book store doesn't really, you know, it's not really anything interesting to him. So he's picking up like Simpsons comics and SpongeBob comics and, uh, you know, Things like that, that that back in my day would have been the equivalent of picking up the uh, Donald Duck comic book <laughs> as opposed to yeah. you know the good comic books. Um, yeah, yeah. So that's why they're free, basically. No, no, um, they actually have like Walking Dead comics, and uh, there's a whole oh, bunch wow. of DC and Marvel comics that they have, but they're specifically uh, put out for free comic book day. So a lot of times it will be like an abridged version of it or something or, or like, like for instance, they had a guardians of the galaxy comic and it's more for, Hey, <laughs> coincidence of timing. That movie just came out this weekend and maybe your kid's interested and yeah, here's kind of an introduction to it. Uh, you know, so that it's a gateway. Them hooked. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's, totally it's, a gateway. it's an acquisition strategy for comic exactly. book stores. Exactly. Not to mention yeah. it makes you aware of where your comic book store is and you know, gets your butt in there because as of course you're in there, you start looking around going, Ooh, that looks kind of cool. And Ooh, that looks kind of cool. Cause I love all the figurines that they uh, tend to have. Yeah. 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 I've they never afforded one of those figurines, but uh, they're pretty cool. No. <laughs> no, no, they, uh, they are mostly expensive. Um, 
<laughs> so yes, uh, it's cool. Like if you if you haven't been to a comic book store, um, it, it's another universe inside there. Like it's uh, oh yeah, there's a smell because it's all like print or the printed paper smell in there um, is something else when you go in there, and it's yeah, it's got this sort of a strange vibe inside it. Well, at least the ones here do. Um, eh, funny places. Not like your regular bookstore. No, no. And it's fun also. I just pointed one out to my son. We were I was looking through the glass cabinet and uh, they had an X-Men comic in there. And I went, Hey Mace, look at that. That one costs a hundred bucks. He was like, hundred dollars for a comic? <laughs> I was like, huh? Yeah. <laughs> go go figure, right? <laughs> yeah. That's nuts. And yeah, the whole investment comic books as investment thing. Yeah. It, uh, I'm sure there's uh yeah, that's a whole other story altogether, really. Oh, um, yeah. But, that and your baseball card things. traders, which, interestingly enough, the two don't tend to mix, but they kind of no. do the same area area existence, you know, paper grading and, and uh, sealing your books up and, you know, all that jazz. Yeah, it's kind of crazy, isn't it? Um, one of those things about collecting a thing is that there's, the only way it's valuable is if there's still a market for it. Um, for example, I've got these um, over here in Australia back when I was younger. Um, our phone booths accepted these cards, they're called phone cards, and they were preloaded with value. Um, they were sort of, they started off as being these sort of magnetic stripe cards and then graduated up to more sort of credit card style um, cards. And they all had different pictures on them. So, of course, pictures equals collectability. Yeah. And I was pretty into it. I used to go around all the local phone booths and do the old, um, this will make no sense for people listening, but do the old, because they had these two holes. Okay. <laughs> and these two holes where you put the used phone cards. And if there were any in there, you could just feel them underneath it and then you just reach and clean them oh, out. Oh, okay. Okay. Um, and, you know, you, there used to be um, um, a Philatelia dealer. Um, around the corner with stamp dealer um, and uh, philatelia. I always get the um, emphasis emphasis on the wrong syllable when I say that word. <laughs> um, and he used to buy the cards off office as well and um, sort of give us a bit of pocket money. So it was kind of good. Um, but I got quite a collection of them. I was thinking, what am I going to do with these? Because for that very reason, if, you know, if the people who used to collect them are no longer around, then they're valueless, basically. Right. So I need to get rid of them, but I'm not sure how um, to actually offload these and even get something for them because I don't really want to keep them. They have no sentimental value to me. So if yeah, a lot of times it is all about uh, all about timing. Uh, when you yeah. when you go to drop these things, my uh, friend of mine, I, it's amazing his nose for what is collectible and what isn't mm. the things that he'll get into. And then 10, 15 years later is exceedingly valuable. Mm. <laughs> and, and most of it's in, in tabletop gaming and just kind of gaming in general. Um, yep. He would go after these obscure titles uh, that might be sold in, you know, your toy store or whatever. Plus then the, the tabletop gaming, and oftentimes he would never get around to opening it up. And then all of a sudden, 15 years later, there's this huge market for it because all this stuff is completely rare. And because he's got it still on the tree, 
it just you know exponentially becomes even more valuable. And I'm like, how is it that you keep on buying this stuff that has you know that has this value? He's like, I don't know. I just have a nose for it. Um, but even it even extended to he called me up because years ago he lent me his Wii and uh, never bothered to take it back. Okay. <laughs> and and he gave me a bunch of games. And he goes, he calls me up and he goes, Hey, do you have this uh, this one? I want to say it's Fire Emblem, but I'm not sure. But anyway, it was this one RPG game. And uh, I go, I look through the thing. And I go, yeah, yeah, it was one of the ones you gave me. He's like, awesome. He goes, people are going nuts for it right now on eBay. Oh. And, and it was this weird circumstances of, you know, not, it was a very limited run and it didn't, wasn't popular in the States and all this stuff. All of a sudden he's got this game that's worth, you know, 300 bucks. What? <laughs> Right, that's insane. <laughs> it's like I said. Oh. He just has this knack for picking, you know, th these obscure things that all of a sudden gain value. But I see um, our uh, long-time show listener Andrew Driver is quite into um, cartridge-based or retro gaming, mm -hmm. and I'll see some things that he's retweeted through uh, about cartridges and stuff that have fetched an insane amount of money. Yeah. Um, on eBay, and this is like, um, like a cartridge that probably would have been, you know, fifty dollars when it came out. Yeah. Um, three three hundred dollars now. Um, yeah. just insane. It's crazy. And these things were, you know, the cartridges, as we all know, um, being the age that we are, like they weren't really designed to hang around. They were <laughs> kind of throwaway items, really, weren't they? They had a limited lifespan, just like any piece of consumer electronics. And for them to still be working today, I think is the, the thing that actually makes them rare. You know what I love? Like, you know, with, with the cartridge, anybody that was a cartridge gamer, they knew that uh, if the cartridge didn't work, what did you do? You blew on it. Blow it, which right. is even worse. Well, but that's the funny thing. You know, everybody always says that's not that's not a thing. It doesn't make the cartridge work. I'm like, if it doesn't make the cartridge work, then how come it always worked? <laughs> <laughs> well, I think it's... It could be that um, there's a little bit of it could be dry and the contact that, you know, as you've well seen with um, pinball stuff, there could be things like, you know, cut like the constant in and out of the cartridge might have put like a little bit of a nick in one of the contacts. So putting a little bit of moisture on there from your well, breath. See, I think that's why they're saying don't blow on it because they're afraid that you're going to spit on it basically and that's going to cause the problem. But I bet yeah, if you yeah. just took a regular can of can of air, they'd be like, yeah, that's fine. You know, yeah, uh, probably. Yeah. But I think, um, yeah, the, the whole blow on the cartridge thing always used to be a thing. Like it was proper. And you're well, right. It was universally works. accepted as something that works. So, yeah, it's like, oh, yeah, a bit of dust. Just give it a, a bit of a blowing. It'll be fine. Right. But yeah, I mean, you you know for uh, all too well that, you know, these electrical components um, aren't designed to work for a long time, as you've seen on your pinball <laughs> machine. So, yeah, let's let's uh, let's talk about the hell that, uh, well, I shouldn't say hell, but uh, some of the fun that I had this week. So, yeah, let's do that. It, it started off with uh, A-Ball Deluxe. I was trying to uh, get the cabinet knocker to work. Mm -hmm. So in my uh, junk that I'd gotten from Pinball Resources, I happened to also get the uh, coil for the knocker. So I was like, mm -hmm. great. So desoldered. Attached the solder back on, my first soldering job, and I was like, woohoo! Put it on, turn the machine on, nothing. I was like, oh, oh no. What happened? Why is this not working? So on the pin side, I go, 
And it's amazing how little time I'd spent on Pinside in the past three years. And suddenly I'm like on there all the time. <laughs> You're making up for it now. <laughs> I'm making yeah. up for it now. But anyway, so I uh, go on there and I get uh, I get a link to this site that basically is all about working on Old Valley machines and troubleshooting. And I look at, uh, you know, coil not working. And it gives me the rundown of where to look in my schematics, which is like, thank you, because I have no clue how to read an electrical schematic. And mm -hmm. it chased down and basically it told me, look here at, you know, and see, we'll see what you got. So it turns out that one of my uh, transformers and resistors were cooked and blown out. So I was like, okay, mm -hmm. I got I to gotta go replace those. So off to Radio Shack, which I was crossing my fingers was still open and uh, hadn't completely shut down. And sure enough, I made it. They still had uh, six days left. And into their little uh, resistor and diode bin, I went and I found the correct transistor and I found the correct resistor and they were 90% off. Yeah. Oh, that's cheap. So I bought $10 worth of that stuff and only paid a buck. Um, that's I wish that's that, real good. I wished that I had known what other uh, you know components of that nature, what the numbers were that I needed because I would have just bought a whole bunch. But yeah. For that uh, price, yes, absolutely. Yeah, but I didn't, and the store's closed now. So, <laughs> uh. so anyway, back home, I back home, I got, I pulled the board, and I took soldering iron to the board and melted the solder, pulled off the transistor, pulled off the resistor, and then went, okay, time to put in the new one. And that's where my first mistake was. <laughs> uh huh. Because I didn't understand that you need to take off the old solder first. Yes. <laughs> yeah yeah you do so all i did was i heated up the old solder and then pushed through the transistor uh. <laughs> and then the new so then the old solder cooled around it and i went okay and then i added a little more solder on top of that and figured that'll work and Good job's done <laughs> job's done and then i did the same thing to the resistor and i was like okay let's just check this bad boy out and i flicked the switch on the machine and i hear the knocker go bam and yep. it just and it's still buzzing, and so it was locked on. Yeah, so it was locked uh -huh. in. I'm like, oh no! Oh, turn it off. <laughs> yeah, turn it off. I'm like, well, obviously, I, I, you know, the coil works, and I figured that my soldering job was fine because it made the thing function. So I went back to this uh, troubleshooting guide, and it's saying, you know, if your coil is locked on, it might be also this diode, and it might be, you know, and so it becomes this, and it might be the chip that controls all the transistors. I'm like, oh my gosh, really? I got to figure all this out. What am I going to do? And I kept on saying that you need to check the voltage. You need to check the voltage. You need to check the voltage. Mm -hmm. So I was like, you know, maybe I need to go finally buy my own voltage meter. Mm -hmm. <laughs> my voltimeter. So over to Harbor Freight I go and uh, paid the wee bit of money that they were asking for those. Came back home. Checked the transistor. I'm not getting any voltage at all out of it. I went, okay, maybe my soldering job ain't so swift. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so I, uh, I took the board over to my neighbor who knows the thing or two about soldering and electronics. And he kind of goes, well, yeah, your problem is you got all this old solder on there. It's like, okay. So he gives, he gives me this little uh, device that sucks up solder, which is kind of cool. Sucked up the yeah, old solder. Solder vacuums are cool. Yeah, I've got a couple of them floating around here. Um, sucked up the old solder and come to find out that the the ribbon, the circuit ribbons, had delaminated and were kind of 
pointing in weird, funky directions. So Oops. that was, yeah, so the Transformer was not exactly making a connection. So he did a soldering job for me, thankfully, to kind of flatten them out and get them touching where they're supposed to be touching properly. And then we plugged it back in, and ta-da, my cabinet knocker works again. Yay. Yay, which is fun because now whenever I get a match game, it scares the living daylights out of me because, man, those Williams not actually Bally knocker are loud. <laughs> uh, yeah, because it's actually smacking onto a metal plate, isn't it? Yep. Inside the black box, yeah. So it's super loud. Yeah. 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 No, which is, which is, excuse me, drop something, uh, which <laughs> is a good thing. Um, I like, I like that being uh, scared kind of. Hmm. It, by, it, by the knocker. It's a, and it's a much it's more scary, pleasing but... sound than uh, Stern's. <laughs> oh, yeah, that thing. I don't know why they chose to do that. Oh. Such an annoying noise. It, yeah. Uh, yeah. They could have yeah. just, like, you know, put an extra solenoid in there and just let it do its thing. <laughs> so that was what I did with uh, A-Ball Deluxe this week. Uh, the other thing that I did this week was I didn't do... Did, didn't do what? Um, I did indeed clear coat firepower. Yay! Yay! So if you've uh, followed us on Twitter, you've seen the pictures. If you're on Pinside and are a follower of Vid's uh, Table Restoration Guide, you've seen the pictures. And I don't have that many people actually following my Firepower thread, which is entitled Firepower, My First Pin, My First Teardown, if you want to uh, jump on that. Uh, that shows all the steps that I've been taking. Old and new. <laughs> um mm. But anyway, I'll uh, I'll just recount real quickly what uh, what the deal was. So, went ahead, uh, set up the tent outside, set up the play field, and went and did my first spray uh, spray down. And while I'm spraying, I noticed that in the middle of the play field where all the paint had been basically jacked up, it looked like it was bubbling. I was like, "Ooh, what's what's going on there?" And I was like, "Isn't it supposed to level out?" I'm not sure, you know, what the issue is. So I sprayed the rest of the table, stepped back, let it cure for 20 minutes, went back because in my head I keep on hearing uh, uh, that guy Tim from our pinball league where he said, "If it doesn't look good the first time, just spray another coat, see what happens." <laughs> I was like, "Okay, yeah. come on, second coat, let's see what happens." So I went and sprayed another coat and. Although it did level it out somewhat, it if you looked at it from overhead, it still looked like just a bubbling mess. Yeah. So I took photos, posted those on uh, Pinside, went, okay, what's my next step? Uh, to which I was told, yeah, it looks like you somebody had waxed the playfield with a silicone-based wax, and it's fish-eyeing. Which I can say now, after the fact, that's not the case. Um, and I'll explain that in a second. But so the answer was, go ahead and get out your uh, sandpaper and uh, flatten that back out. So I did. I got out my 400-grit sandpaper and uh, wet sanded and scrubbed the ever-living crap out of that area until it was <laughs> flat again. And it was at that point, what I noticed was it's all these little tiny divots in the play field, whether it was uh, from where the paint chunked up or what it more likely looked was where the ball had bounced. And the reason why the ball was bouncing was because when I first got this table, the paint job was so rough and bumpy and the inserts, some of them were raised, some of them were sunk. Basically the ball was hopping all the time. And I yeah. believe causing these little dents and divots 
all over the place. It, it I, I, I joked that it looked like Edward James Olmos's face, and now I need to try and smooth that out. Uh, yeah. So what Vid wound up saying, and and he says this is a big misconception with clear coating, is that everybody thinks that clear coat is just going to fill in the gaps. And that's not the case at all. Because of its surface tension, it actually surrounds the gap and makes a ring. Oh, and, right. and further makes the divot even deeper, if you will. So yeah. what I had to do was sand as flat as I could, and then it was going to be get an eyedropper full of uh, the clear coat and just individually fill each and every single hole. Uh-huh. Well, there was, you know, 100 plus of these <laughs> on, the, on the play field. So... Whipped up a little tiny batch of clear coat, which was still way too much clear coat. But I mean, I, I literally filled the bottom line. It was on my cup. And from that, I then removed just a little bit to fill up the eyedropper. And the eyedropper in total, I only used three quarters of it was even in that. So, wow. yeah. Uh, turns out clear coat goes a long way. <laughs> um, so I went wow. and I filled in all the little little divots, and then Vid also suggested that uh, fill in the valleys around all of the inserts, so that mm. everything is just perfectly smooth. I'm like, okay, so I did all that. Well, I kind of went a little heavy, <laughs> <laughs> so now all of a sudden, when it cured, there was all these little cobblestones, Mountains. yeah, little cobblestones, if you will, all over the place. So I was like, okay, well, you know, back to the 400 grit. Let's let's knock it down. It was not knocking them down at all. And I don't know oh. if it was just because the, you know, I use a uh, rubber block sander. And yeah. I don't know if it was just writing on top of of all the bumps and therefore it mm. couldn't get a grip and knock anything off. But it was I was getting nowhere and nowhere fast. So I, uh, that happened to be my last piece of 400 grit paper. And I burned through it really quick. And I kind of went, well... I don't know what else do I got, and I found I had some 240 grit paper. I went, yeah, you know, maybe that's what I need to do. Maybe I need to go a little severe and uh, knock it down that way. <clears throat> so, I, so I started up at the the top of the playfield and and roughed it up. And this is a non-wet, it's just dry sanding. Mm-hmm. And man, it just creates this white powdery mess all over yeah. the place. And I real quickly went, thank you, Tim, for recommending that I pull all the wiring harness off the bottom of the playfield because this is yeah. exactly what he was warning about because that powder gets everywhere. I don't care how good you sealed up that table. It was going to get somewhere and just make a mess. Yeah. So I started sanding that. Next thing you know, I'm sanding the entire playfield. I'm knocking everything down. And I just kept on going and kept on going and kept on going eventually it got to the point where I'd gone through the clear on certain areas that were over the inserts and I was sanding the inserts back down because if I'd look on the bottom of the pad, it was picking up the color from the orange inserts in the middle. And I was like, wow, I had no idea how, you know, raised any of that was, but I was like, just keep on going, just sand, 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 sand. And so I sanded that until it was very smooth Mm -hmm. as far as, as far as I could tell, it's a giant cloudy mess now. Um, yes. Even after, even after wiping it down, what's interesting is when you wipe it down wet, which is what the clear is going to do, you can. It looks great. Yeah. <laughs> it, you know, so it's it's interesting how clear works. It'll take even the grimiest looking thing and all of a sudden make it look beautiful. Um, yeah. I did go buy some four hundred and six hundred grit paper. Just to, I'm going to do a little bit of a polish so that the inserts don't have, show any scrape lines. Yeah, good uh, idea. 
but yeah so i went from having if you if you go and look on our twitter feed the blockade feed i believe is where i posted the, those photos if i'm mistaken but anyway you'll see the table go from you know kind of kind of whatever okay to being really nice and glossy shiny to being a cloudy mess <laughs> yeah um but the good news is like i said it's now flat as flat can be because i took the the pinball and i had the play field that just an ever so slight rake so that if i put the pinball down it would just slowly start rolling it didn't matter what insert it rolled over what uh dent looked like it was there it never changed directions and that was going as slowly really so i was like hey that's all you can ask for that's that's what we're looking for yeah that's real good so with sanding on the threads, on the restoration threads, is it um, always block sanding, like a manual yes. sanding, or would you use a um, a mouse sander? An orbital sander or something? Yeah. Or like, you know, those vibration sanders? No, but, um, everybody everybody says do it by hand because the problem with any of the the orbital sanders or whatever, if you so much as angle it, it might gouge oh, really fast. Yeah, you get it in your hand would ever do. Um, what I was doing so was, yeah. And what I was doing was I was only sanding in one direction, uh, rather. So I did, I don't, I didn't want to create any swirls. Mm. So it was, I was just going back and forth, uh, lengthwise on the play field. And, uh, sometimes I would go up on edge on the sanding block just to try and push down a little harder and kind of, again, get in between the bumps so that I'd catch an edge and knock that bump down. Then you, when you go the other direction, you knock the other bump down and then finally yeah. go flat on it and be able to get it all nice and smooth that way. Now that the table is completely smooth, I should never have to go up on edge again. Um, yeah. I should always be able to do, to do the flat. We'll see. <laughs> What's interesting is that first, that initial spring that I did, I apparently went way heavy. I mean, Vin mm -hmm. was able to see it. It just in the pictures, he was like, yeah, you need to do shoot like an eighth of what you shot. <laughs> um, yeah. So we'll see how I do this next time that I actually do clear coding. It's not going to be until after I uh, start doing some painting, but yeah. I'm trying to, to debate if it's, I had the gun too low. Was I going too slow? Um, do I need to just go, you know, do a faster pass? I think I need to watch some videos on mm. YouTube and, and kind of get an idea of, of where they're holding it and how fast they're uh, moving. Yeah. But it sounds like it, but yeah, it, it, it's, it's interesting. Even after all this sanding, you know, you, you might say that I should have done this before clear coating, but I would have been taking off paint. The beautiful yeah, thing is, is I didn't take off a lick of paint. All I took yes. off was the inserts, you know, some of the, some of the height on the inserts. Yeah. So I think you're probably in a good place now where you can actually now go and paint over the top of the clear. And the clear is rough enough that you'll be able to layer, a, you know, put paint down. Yes. Because um, it should adhere. Yeah. So you probably, it's it's basically what, from what I understand, anyone who has a damaged playfield does anyhow. They lock it in and then they start touching it up because it's so easy to just take off the paint that way. Yeah. And I think in some cases, some people actually do like, one color and then clear it and then yeah. another color and then clear it because it, it allows them to be really precise with all the colors. Yeah. Um, I they think they're doing a very thin coat of clear when they do that because yeah. Vid posted a pic of what happens when you don't do it that way, when you have too thick of a clear and you can, yeah. you can see the step 
in it looks like 3d yeah it's like yeah. layered exactly <laughs> sort of, that would be weird that would um, be weird that would be weird but yeah so we'll see I what think... happens on on tuesday uh so the day this podcast drops um going over to when i when i say my buddy my friend i'm always talking about the same guy he's got all the the gizmos and toys uh he's the one that's going to be cutting me the clear plastics for a ball deluxe he's also got a airbrush station totally set up um, again, when you're in the tabletop gaming, <laughs> you do a lot of old painting. Gear. You, yeah. you do a lot of painting, and yeah, so he kind of assembly lines a lot of it, um, and uses his, air, his airbrush a lot. So I'll be using his airbrush. So you know, it's one of those things where it's like, hey, great, you've already got set up. You know how to do this. You can teach me how to do it properly, and mm-hmm. uh, I can I can go from there. So I'm hoping that I'll do some of that on Tuesday too, and uh, we'll see how much. Who knows? Maybe, maybe I can goad him into doing most of the painting for me. <laughs> yeah, you know, I wonder how much. I wonder how much you're gonna have to pay him for that. Usually nothing, but it's one of those things. You know, you know. Sometimes if you leave something behind with somebody that you know is into that kind of thing, they might just take it upon themselves to do it. Yeah. <laughs> you know, like just color match everything for you and touch it up and exactly because yeah. he's into detail work. Uh, he probably I mean, love it. So I'm like, maybe he can be the one that paints the planet in the areas that it needs painting. Good luck with that. You know, I can I can uh, spray white, I can spray black, and I can spray red. But when it comes to actually kind of you know mixing colors to match and and do these little intricate little things, I yeah, I don't know. <laughs> yeah, I've seen some of the restoration work that people have done on their other planets from the yeah. links you've been flicking me, and I've got to say they're pretty insane. Yeah, yeah. Like these people have just like, how do you? It's wow, you've managed to do it, and it, I can't even see where you've done the fix. Right, like it's amazing. It is. Uh, so they've got a real eye um, for it. Yeah, it's pretty cool. Yeah, it, it's 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 fun going through these threads because you know once you start posting a thread on what you're doing, other people start commenting and going, "Oh, hey, look at my thread!" And you know, I've got the same machine. Look at what I'm doing. And you start looking at some of these things, and you just go. It can, it can be depressing. Let's just put it that way. Yeah. <laughs> I saw a guy's thread on, uh, uh, now I can't remember. It's either a ball deluxe or firepower, but anyway, he was redoing the cabinet and it was gorgeous. I mean, this guy completely mm. rebuilt. I mean, every single corner was just true and square and it was painted gorgeously inside. And, and, you know, he even found the, the original warning stickers for voltage, you know, to, to apply back uh-huh. in. And all of his metal plates are just super shiny, which is what I love. I hate dull metal, which is, of course, what they yeah. threw in all these machines. Yes. Um, I mean, I'm the kind of person that I would chrome everything. Yes. <laughs> that, you know, I would love to to flip open a table and just be chrome. <laughs> and I think Everywhere. that would be incredible. Yeah. Um, okay. So, yeah, you see that kind of stuff. And, and that's where I always just... I think that's what intimidated me the first time Yeah. where I thought that, Oh, if you're going to be a pinball machine owner, you have to do all of X, Y, and Z. And it wasn't until I started going over to people's houses in league where it was like, no, you don't have to do that. Just have a table that plays well. Yeah. You know, there's, and there's different kinds of place condition tables are just fine to own. Yeah. You know? Yeah. There's different collectors. There's, you know, cause, cause one of these guys' houses that I, we'd go over to, you know, he had this great collection of tables, you know, probably 16 machines, 16 or 17 mm. machines. And they were all these tables that I love. And I was just like, oh, that's awesome. 
And there was not a single one of them that was in restoration quality. Condition, yeah. Right. These were all like what you would see in the arcade. They just happened to all play well. I mean, they all worked. You know, yeah. the, the flippers all worked, and there was no bad switches or anything else like that. They just didn't look all that pretty. Yeah. And then you go over to other guys' houses, and every single one of them is, you know, a mirror shine and LED'd out and, you know, yeah, all that stuff. So it is kind of one of those things where it's like it's perfectly acceptable <laughs> to have a player-quality machine and just enjoy the hell out of it. It's exactly the same as those folks who own cars. You know, some people love to have a completely and utterly oh, freaked yeah. out car, but some people, they just want to drive it and yep. they don't care. So yep. uh, player's condition, I think they call it in pinball. Um, yeah. it, you can play and it's great and it may not look super swift, but it reflects the age of the table and that's fine. So, you know? so speaking of this, there was kind of, I, I posted a Craigslist ad uh, specifically for Jared, because Jared, Jared is always complaining that uh, even the crappiest of machines would cost him an arm and a leg in, in Australia. Yeah. And so I found a table that was in the crappiest of conditions. <laughs> and it was uh, it was for a Barracora, a Barracora yeah, which I've never heard of that. It was from 1981. It's a Williams machine. Uh, yeah. This would be pre- Firepower, no speech on this particular machine. Yeah. Um, so pre pre firepower, pre Gorgar. Well, I believe that'd be a system three or four, I think. Yeah. Um, and <laughs> the 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 person was asking fifty bucks for it. Said that it uh, electronics worked. Didn't say that the pinball machine actually worked, but they said the yeah. electronics worked. So I'm assuming uh, it should. It, it was pictured with lights on, so that's yeah. something. So that's at something. The, at least the transformer's not fried. That's right. good. Right. That <laughs> being that being said, the cabinet was completely stripped of any and all art. The there was no back glass. There was just a photo or like a picture of the back glass of this is uh, Williams' attempt at doing an HR Giger painting, apparently. No. And all that was left was just this image of the woman's face and there was nothing else on the back glass at all. Yeah. You could see and, right back through to the um the uh, the light board yeah. in the back. It and was then, like and then completely they completely and then well they taped off where the, the scoreboard is using blue painters tape. <laughs> yep. And then there was a picture of the play field but it was hard to tell what condition it was in because the glass was just covered in dust. Yeah. <laughs> So I was, I was like, you know, for a hot second, I was like, you know, 50 bucks for a table that works. <sighs> Why not? But then it was, yeah. it's an hour and a half drive to even look at this thing. And I, what I did real quickly, I was, I did a Google search, you know, went to internet pinball database, looked up the game, found out information about it. And then I went on to uh, eBay and Pinside, and there ain't nobody talking about this machine. And there's not a gla back glass around and I didn't see stencil kits or anything else like that. I was like, Oh, if you're going to do any attempt at restoring this, you're going to have issues. Um, good luck yeah. finding parts. Good luck finding anything, you know, that, that'll I think you'd be able to find most of the, like the electrical parts for it. Like all the mechanical yeah. parts. Would be right. But all the artwork, good luck. The artwork, no, like I yeah. think the only thing you could probably do is print out get like a back glass one-to-one -one printer down at your local office works yeah. and then just whack it in the glass and that's your back glass. Yeah, I did. The only thing I found on eBay was somebody, uh, a couple of people were selling the plastics 
Um, so those were available, and the bumper caps were available. That's all you need. That's all you need, fine. right? Yeah, that's fine. <laughs> so in the time though, it took me to look at this ad and do the little research, and then post it, uh, or get ready to post it to Twitter. It had already been yanked down, which means oh. the person, which means they'd sold the thing. And well, I thought for fifty bucks, why not? <laughs> well, yeah, and that's what I thought. I was like, you know, for fifty bucks, you could probably part it out for. Oh yeah, way more money. But again, I was just like, I don't. I wouldn't want to do that to myself. A, I don't want to deal with eBay and parting out something. And mm -hmm. B, if I had a machine, I want to play the machine. But I've never even heard of this machine. <laughs> it was just like, I think I've seen Barracora a couple of times go through TNT Amusements YouTube channel. Um, mm -hmm. It's it's very indicative of the era of the table. Yeah. So it's not a really complex table, but it flips well. Like it, yeah, you know. As like most of those tables of the era, they tend to play. They're brutal and they play well because they're simple. They're, um, you know, just a single level play field, and they just do what they do. Lots of drops. I think it has lots of drop targets on it. It had me. drops. Yeah. Mm, it yeah. has like an inline. Drops it had drops and a horseshoe, that. and it had multi ball. That's basically all it had. That's pretty good. For. Yeah. Um, yeah. Someone but, would have definitely got that for parts. I reckon they would have yeah. parted that out for sure. So it's one of those things that I have, you know, if it was, you know, a couple of miles from me, then I probably on a whim would have been like, ah, hey, sure, let me go look, you know, impulse buy kind of thing. But yeah. if it's a 90, my 90 minute drive out to the thing, the impulse quickly abates and logic starts uh, coming back in, you know, reality. So, yeah, <laughs> absolutely. Yeah, that's uh, that that's a fair drive for something that may not even be working. Yeah. That's like me driving down to the Gold Coast here. Right. And, and that's non-trivial at all. <laughs> so, yeah, I, I totally get your, your thoughts. Well, and especially since this is what I'm going through right now with, with my firepower. It was literally one of those things where the day I got the money and the money was given to me by my in-laws and it was with the express uh, instructions, you have to buy something fun with it. Mm. I went, what am I going to buy fun with? And I went on Craigslist and boom, there was a five power for 500 bucks, which is exactly what the money was that I had. He went, okay, I'm doing this. I, okay, I called, I said, come down, you know, if you're not down here within the next uh, two hours, somebody else is going to be here and buy it. So it was like, boom, there was no time to think. Yeah, and it wasn't, it. Right. And it wasn't until after I'd handed the cash off to the guy and we're walking outside and the sunlight hits the play field that I went, oh. <laughs> <laughs> Instant regret. <laughs> right? That's when the buyer's remorse starts setting it. So knowing everything that I'm going through with just restoring firepower to a playable state, I can imagine what an absolute project would be. And I would never, I don't want to get into that kind of a nightmare. That would be nope. <laughs> I saw, uh, as I was like, you know, you, you get onto Pinside and you go down the uh, the rabbit hole and links. Yeah. And I happened to come across this guy who was doing a, a restore on an EM. And the it was very interesting to to see how he zoned things off when he was doing it. Of course, EMs their artwork is generally pretty basic, and they have lots yeah. of block colors playfield. So he was able to go look when I'm on a playfield that's got a lot of paint damage. I, I actually just find a paint that matches the paint mostly, and then right. repaint the entire playfield in that right. color. So it's like, yep, that is a color that's going to be replacing all of that color. And that's yep. just how it is. Look, it's not completely um, authentic, but it's close and it's consistent and it looks good at the end. And that's really all you want when you're actually doing something like that, really. 
unless you're an absolute purist and you're going, oh, no, I have to have the absolute right Pantone. Yeah, but where are you going to find that Pantone? You, you know, I mean, it's not like it's listed on on any of you know Gottlieb's or Williams' site what what Pantone they used, and any machine you find is probably going to be faded a little bit. You know, at some yes. point, it's, nobody's going to have a new inbox EM. <laughs> um, so, so even if you like took the playfield down and got the paint spectrally analyzed at your yeah. local you know like paint shop, you're going to have at least some inconsistency anyhow. Yeah. So. Don't sweat the details. Put something on that looks good, and and get on with the job. And it, I'll tell you what, it looked really good when he'd done it, and he'd repainted everything. And he actually like sprayed, airbrushed yeah. a lot of the big areas, and masked off the ones that that didn't. And it seems to be when he was talking about, it, there seemed to be a real technique in actually masking and doing that right. Um, so I I found it very interesting, but at the same time, I thought. You know, if I could actually find like something, a real bombed out, even play field down here that would just junk to bits, I could just have a go at it. You could. And just and just have a go at touching it up and see how it went, just to see what the end result could be. And I don't know if I could get to the point where it was cleared, but I could at least try and touch up the paint and see what it looked like, you know. And, I'm sure uh, you could find a, a fairly cheap, junked up play field on eBay um, and have it shipped to you and it wouldn't be terrible shipping. I actually think I probably know someone that the, the same guy who sells play for, uh, pinball machines for one and a half grand. Yeah. I'm pretty sure his wife is actually um, involved in the business as well. And she does a lot of playfield touch up. And she, well, I know that the guy sort of makes available to her a lot of like playfields that are well and truly passed, like really bad. Right. And she, she will just practice her technique on those playfields and touch them up. So it's possible that if I wanted to, I might just get in touch and see what playfields he might have and how much she'd be interested in getting him getting rid of them for. Because if anything, they might turn into nice, nice art pieces. Mm-hmm. Um, a lot of guys so, do that. Yeah, use them as posters, basically. Yep. Um, so I don't know. I, I may sort of send the guy an email and see what what's around. And I might also send an email and say, "Look, you know, here is what I have, like money wise. Right. What what." Like, would you recommend me buying one of the ones that you've got now based on that and see what he actually says? Because this guy is, while he's in the business of selling tables, he's not he's not one of those, like, you know, snaky salespeople. He'll tell you the truth. Yeah. You know, so I think maybe it'd be, I'll, worth, I'll it'd ins- be worth at least, you know, letting him know. And, and uh, you know, one of those situations where sometimes the, the, they, feel, they feel that tear in their heart and they're like, I want to help this person out. <laughs> I want to. I want to. I want to be the gateway drug that of this exactly. So we can actually feed their addiction. <laughs> yeah, that's right. <laughs> yeah, I may. I may entertain the idea, but you're, you're certainly right. Like going through um, Gumtree over here in eBay is, it's not where you go and get the good deals. No. Um, like this guy, al- although he actually has a, you know, I mean, he sells them. At the same time, they are degrees cheaper than all the other ones on eBay, and. Um, because he actually like fixes them up and guarantees they work to start yeah. with, then that's a big problem. Like you know, taken away. Like he'll actually get to the point where everything is working. Yeah. So that's one less thing you have to worry about, you know, and that's good. Yeah, I think you should do that. Get on it. <laughs> mm, I'll investigate it, and then, I'll, well, you know, I was going to say my fortieth is coming up, but it's not really. I've still got like a couple <laughs> of years to go. So maybe for my fortieth. 
I go for perhaps one that's of a little bit better condition. Maybe try go. one out here, see how it goes. And then if I like the idea, then go for a really nice one for my 40th. And that can be the, the, the gift. See, my, my fantasy is that I get uh, firepower uh, back, up, back built, the, you know, with this super smooth play field that I throw in the uh, drop target mod and then I put it up for sale and somebody is so enamored with the drop target mod and the play field job and they could care less what my cabinet looks like that they're like, you know what? I never liked my Metallica Pro here. Let's just trade. <laughs> <laughs> Let's just trade, but you're going to give me $3,000 as well. Uh, no, you know, nobody wants, nobody wants a Metallica Pro. They all want the Metallica LE. So, you know, and, but everybody, but how many, how many firepowers with a drop target mod are out there, right? So I don't know. That's Maybe. like I said, that's that's my fantasy because I and then for my for you know I play out these scenarios all the time in my head and I was like for a split second I'm like oh but would you you wouldn't want a pro and then I was like what the hell are you thinking about that would be way better than your firepower. Well, <laughs> yeah, well, yes, it would probably because, as, you know, as somebody that loves ramps and multi multi ball and uh, I'm thoroughly enjoying the drop targets on a ball deluxe Metallica pro would work. So what if it doesn't have spinners spinners? It don't is. do anything for me. <laughs> it, is, it would probably fit in. Okay. With your collection. Yeah. <laughs> you know. you'd, you'd make it, you know, adjustments for it, uh, <laughs> and come grow to like it. <laughs> I you, think know, gonna... it, you know, maybe I could come down with reality and, and maybe, you know, maybe I could make that happen with a, a, a roller games because nobody likes roller games either. No, nobody wants that thing. Yeah. yeah that's, not, nice. that's not a classic theme for anybody. Yeah. I do have to admit, though, when seeing Firepower in person and seeing the light show that actually happens when you get multiple. Yeah. And the way um, the, the, the back glass displays actually count down mm -hmm. um it looks really good for the era it's like a big production when it yep. happens it's very cool yeah so yeah it'll be interesting to actually you know once you've got it all cleared and working and playing and all that again with the drop targets in um you might actually your opinion of it may actually change you might get i don't actually want to get rid of this it might but i doubt it <laughs> Oh really? Uh, fair I don't enough. know. I don't know. Like I said, I have too many, too many other tables that uh, that I'm fond of uh, style of table. Like I said, I love ramps. I love. Uh, yeah. No, yes, firepower does have multi ball, but um, that's all it has. You know, I like I like multiple levels. I like. Uh, I like alphanumeric displays rather than just the boring score. I like games that talk more than, you know, only being able to say fire power three, two, one, <laughs> you know, yeah. it's, you know, it, it, that's, I, I always say that it's not until you get to something like high speed that uh, that's when I go, okay, now you're talking more my kind of table, right. um, you know, and high speed by no means is a, technological wonder um but it's sort of a little bit more like a, it's closer <laughs> it's it's closer yeah yeah you know habit trails i love habit trails uh, you know i want habit trails that's i i dig that i dig that look uh, mm. so that's that's why i'm surprised at how much i'm enjoying a ball deluxe because i yeah. didn't think that that would be a table that i would uh 
really, really, really enjoy. Yeah, and I'm I'm enjoying the heck out of it. It's a lot of fun, and I'm really uh, digging just the aiming factor and. That's why I can't wait to get these the, the plastics in so the ball doesn't jump when it you know comes down to my flipper, yeah. and you know get that thing polished up and and playing really nice. I think it's just going to make me like it even more. So yeah, absolutely. I'm, but I I never got that sensation off of firepower. So that's mm. why I say it's 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 interesting. I mean, I think for sure. You, you don't know how much you like a table until you start playing it. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. And I think the thing with firepower, I'm getting the opinion that perhaps there might be a ratio between drop targets to ramps. Like how many drop targets would you need to replace the feel of a ramp in a game? So, you know, <laughs> would it be three drop targets for a ramp, a short ramp or five drop targets for a big ramp? But see, you know? it's also like, okay, take firepower two. It has a ramp. It's not a yeah, but it's crap. Ramp. Right. It's not no, a it's satisfying not. ramp. Uh, to me, there's a certain satisfaction with a certain ramp. You know, Medieval Madness has that complete satisfaction with ramps, especially it since is. you can combo the ramps. Um, I, 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 I said a couple of weeks ago that Whitewater has one of the most satisfying ramps ever. That's true. It does. Uh, you know, it's not that it, that it scores a phenomenal amount of points or anything like that. It just looks cool watching yeah. the, the ball do this whoop de doo thing. Um, yeah. It's one of the reasons why I love roller games is because it not only has this crazy ramp diverter at the top of the, uh, you know, plastic ramp at the top, but then it goes into this cool habit trail that when you collect balls for multi-ball before the multi-ball goes just at various points, it fires a plunger and these balls go through the habit trail and then, you know, rotate back down into where they're locked. It just looks awesome. And that's cool. That's, that's what I'm into. That's, I think why I like, uh, NBA fast break is got very satisfying ramps and it's got these, this whole cool habit trail, uh, mix happening at the top where for shooting the basket, um, there's yep. four little habit trail kind of things. So that's, visually and and feeling wise that feels good it's why i like whirlwind so much because it's got a, a great ramp system and i like while i enjoy earthshaker and they kind of have a, a similar feel i just like whirlwind's configuration much better uh, i think because it's a more open play field uh, yeah but even even earthshaker has a cool <coughs> cool bit of ramp going on you know so yeah, there's plenty of good things happening on that table as well. But you're right; I think out of the two, Whirlwind's the one that I'd pick as well. Yeah, I think that's what everybody would pick. <laughs> mm. Yeah. Uh, so you know that, that's that's why I say it's it's one of those things where I don't think you truly know until you're sitting there playing the machine. I've never been that enamored by Twilight Zone. You know, I, I get it for rules. It's wonderful, but I don't find the shot selection to be particularly satisfying. No, um, no, it's sort of very stop start. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. So, you know, it, it is those things. I think, I think TPA definitely helps in figuring out what kind of table you like and what kind of table you don't. Um, mm. But I think playing it in person is also just absolutely seals the deal because, yeah. Uh, it's 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 those tactile sensations that really can put a machine over the top. Um, 
again, it's it's why I say with Metallica, there's something about that table that is just very appealing to me while playing it that I've not gotten the same sensation off of playing ACDC. The thing I like about Metallica now I've played it is that I think it's the way the ramps behave. So if you don't shoot the ramps correctly, you're going to come back down. But when you do make the ramp, it doesn't fly up it. It actually gets to the apex of the ramp and it kind of just goes, yeah, okay, I'm just going to walk around this now Mm -hmm. rather than running at top speed around the ramp. Mm -hmm. And it's like, oh, and then it comes back down quite fast at you. But yep. at the same time, controllable. So it's sort of like it's a slow ascent and a fast descent. And I think from a feel perspective, that's what you want in a ramp. And you're right, ACDC, the ramps are such that they're quite shallow yeah. um, in the pitch. And they the ball will go up them pretty fast. But ACDC has got a different feel to it. I, I, not ACDC, Metallica has a different feel. And I yep. know what you're talking about. Yeah, definitely. So that's why I say I'm. That's the kind of uh, game I ultimately want to have, um, but I I'm more than happy to be surprised by you know somebody. If, if there's an EM that actually grabbed me, <laughs> I would be shocked. Um, mm. You know, uh, it's why I I discovered that uh, I don't like Space Invaders partly because it's the the little zipper flipper size flippers and not full size flippers, yeah, and it's the, the double. Yeah, but and I yeah, hate on, those flippers. On the top set. Yeah, yeah. I must admit the uh, the Cellar Wars that I played the other day that was fun. Like it was a wide body, but it only had two flippers, and yeah. it it was just drop targets all day, and it was fun. I I think if it's still there when I go back to the next tournament, um, I will be playing it, even if it's not in the tournament. I'll just be putting a few games into it because it was it was fun. Yeah, uh, very fun. All right, enough fantasizing. Uh, let's just end this thing before I go cry. Uh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. All right, gang. We will uh, be showing up again next week. Be sure to follow the Twitter feed at Shut Your Traps, at Jared Morgan, and most importantly, at Blockade. There you'll see uh, most of the pictures uh, that uh, I'm talking about regarding what I'm doing with Able Deluxe and Firepower. I'm always throwing them up during the week. And uh, take a look, won't you? Feel free to comment. Drop us an email, blahblahblockade at gmail.com. Check out the website, blockadepinball.com. And uh, there you will find show notes and other good stuff like links if we list them. Mm, Indeed. So maybe you can throw up the link to my uh, my firepower uh, restoration page on Pinside, and yeah. people can uh, jump on that. Yeah, I have to go back through my links. Maybe just email me that. I can certainly do that. All right, sir. Yeah. And everybody else, thank you for listening. We'll talk again next week. Bye bye. Bye bye. Wizardamusement.com, the West Coast leader in classic pinball. Makers of custom pinball shooter rods, buyer specifications. Swap out your standard ball plunger with something themed to your specific table. Installs in less than five minutes with no custom tools. Even if you don't own a table, looks great as a pinball memento to admire. Prices start at $39, but mention Blockade Podcast to receive 10% off your order. Wizardamusement.com. Sales, restoration, customization. Don't forget to leave a review on iTunes or your favorite podcast hosting service that Blockade is delivered to. We can't improve unless you tell us how. Now stop listening and play some pinball.